1: Stress all night, take your mind off your money
0: and focus on your life. Money don't matter, all the stuff it bought is the way you think.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. This segment of Unlock Your Wealth Radio is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the show, everybody. Your purveyor of prosperity is me. Hello. Heather hey. Wagonhall here in attendance. And I am flanked by the maestro of Mula Michael. Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's episode with the following great features. So first off, what key is it this week?
0: Today's key or this week's key is... Um Hope for the best, plan for the worst.
1: Key six. Yes, it is. We have a fabulous moolah word of the day, and it's a way to make money in addition to being a moolah word of the day. So that's like double bonus. We like that. Yay. Yes. And so speaking of fabulousness, so this is the first time in 14 years of doing this show that I'm actually going to cover this topic in a very micro perspective, and specifically what documents you need to have prepared. And you can do your own underwriting, if you will, once you get this knowledge checklist of the uh, key documents uh, for applying for a mortgage. So you can calculate your own mortgage affordability. It's really critical because you don't want to, you don't want to rely on other people. Cause you know, I have seen it so many times where people go and they get quote, pre-qualified yeah, yeah, yeah. and they base this on some generalization of whatever your particular income level is. And they're not looking, they're looking at it from a macro perspective, not the micro perspective. Uh, and they're not considering your specific lifestyle and needs. And so they try to max you out because the more loan a lender finances, the bigger his commission. And of right. course a real estate agent is going to be uh, more, more excited about selling an expensive home versus a cheap home. So the more home you can buy, the bigger his commission is too. Now, I'm not saying that everyone is nefarious, but everyone is working for their best interest. Sure. And so, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, 50000 to to $100,000 in affordability can, can, it can be that kind of a swing. And so it, it's better if you take a look at your own thing, uh, your own underwriting, don't wait for your um, loan approval from the lender after you've already made an offer on a house and you've put up earnest money to find out that you can't afford it or the terms are unrealistic. Yeah. you know. So we're going to take into consideration the specifics of what you need, and then I'm going to give you some total bonus not included in the price of today's show uh, content, and that is how you need to look at home ownership, and real estate investment, because they're different. And owning a home is not investing in real estate. Only investing in real estate is, and we'll discuss that later and why that's such a critical piece of the puzzle, and may help you make a more effective financial decision when it comes to affordability. But let's cover our moolah word of the day, because this is a big topic and there is so much to squeeze in and we have so little time to do it. And what's great about this is when you do learn this, you, it, it can apply to any type of underwriting, whether you're applying for, you know, small, short term financing, student loans, cars, Uh Underwriting is underwriting. And so it's all done the same way. And so by learning how to to pre-qualify yourself based on what you make and what you spend, it's much better, more effective, and it gives you a better baseline than what everybody else tells you. Because what happens is we always want more than we can afford. And so whatever number they tell you, if they already tell you the max and then you go over that your SOL. So I'm going to show you some little techniques to beat your brain at what it does best <laughs> and moves towards pleasure and avoids pain. And nobody wants to hear that they can't afford what they want. And so this will help set things straight for you because you always want to shop for the loan first. And it's because you don't want to fall in love with a property and find that you can't afford it. Um, because then nothing you buy will ever measure up and it'll it'll be a negative experience totally. And so we want to avoid that negative experience. But first, like I said, moolah. Moolah word. Moolah. Moolah word of the day today is affiliate marketing. The definition of affiliate marketing, courtesy of investopedia.com, is affiliate marketing is an advertising model where a company pays compensation to third-party publishers to generate traffic or leads to the company's product or services. Okay, so think this is going to be referencing specifically uh, internet stuff. Uh, however, affiliate marketing was around long before the internet ever came to exist. Um, think about Girl Scout cookies, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they cost what? I don't know. I saw somebody complaining about how expensive they were now, um, but you know that's like an affiliate marketing. The company makes cookies, they put it in a Girl Scout wrapper box, and then the troop keeps part of it for selling the cookies. Uh, So third-party publishers are referred to as affiliates and they are motivated by the commission fee to find ways to promote the company. Affiliate marketing has increased in prominence with the internet age. Amazon popularized the practice by creating an affiliate marketing program where websites and bloggers put links to the Amazon page for a product being reviewed or discussed in order to receive advertising fees when a purchase is made. In a sense, affiliate marketing is essentially a pay-for-performance marketing program where the act of selling a consumer on a product is outsourced across a potentially vast network. Now, we have many products and workshops and things that are sold by affiliate marketers. And so they sell my Seven Selling Secrets workshop or they sell my mm-hmm. um, Seven Elements for Self-Empowerment and our Goal Achievement Strategy. So we offer people commissions to help market us because, you know, we know who we know, but other people may know people we don't know. Right. And they can reach a marketer demographic. And that's a value to me as a businesswoman. And so I'm willing to pay for that access, sure. if you will, to market to those people. So if we break it down, affiliate marketing predates the internet, but in the world of digital marketing, analytics and cookies have made this billion-dollar industry. A company running an affiliate marketing program can track which links brings in leads and through internal analytics sees how many leads are converted into sales. So I guess there are pros and cons. Uh, the terms of affiliate marketing are set by the company wanting to advertise. They were largely paying costs per click traffic, costs per mile, impressions on banner advertisements, etc. So as the technology evolved, the focus tuned to commission on actual sales or qualified leads. The early affiliate marketing Marketing programs were vulnerable to fraud because of click fraud. So, like you know, you could have your friend go to an affiliate page and click on a link a thousand times. Sure, you know. So now it's paid for for performance. So the clicks are genuine, and and you make more money. Mm-hmm. Like you can get like ten percent, you know, for maybe a click. But if somebody actually buys. You're likely to get upwards of 50%. Yeah. Some pay big, big, big commissions, mm-hmm. and they're almost willing to give up 70% of the initial purchase because then there's always that add on sale. Mm-hmm. You know, they get you in the sales funnel and they say, oh, you should also probably want this. Yeah. And to complete the transaction, you might want this. Yep. And to go along with this, you might want that. You know, I just bought these rhinestone upholstery tacks for my desk and it suggested this tool to help line it up. And I'm like, oh, I probably need that because I'm not Uh, smart enough to use a ruler. So I bought that for $5. And then it says, oh, and you know what? There is this cool tacking that'll help you fold the fabric better and keep a straight edge. And I'm like, well, of course I need that because I I don't want it to be looking crooked. And so there goes another $7, you know, so they just put you in and keep recommending extra products. And the thing that got me there were the rhinestone tax to begin with. So, you know, you get all of that good sales funnel. So now, um. Certain methods of this have been outright banned, like installing adware or spyware that redirects all search inquiries for a product to a specific affiliate's page. Uh, so, and the FTC cracks down further and further every year. I'm, on that I'm, stuff.
0: I'm amazed at the fact that, you know, these, you know, when I'm on Facebook, all of a sudden I'll get... Mm-hmm. advertisements that are designed for a recording engineer. I mean, it's just it's Well, because
1: because they're looking at your history on your computer, they yeah. can see where you've been it's and what you've been up to. It's unbelievable. I know. 1984. And we welcome this, you know, because yeah, We love it. Yeah, you exactly. know, and and it plays into our biology towards pleasure away from pain. Yeah you know? So this will make me happy. Bigger, better, faster, stronger. Okay. Yep. I'm all over it. Bigger, better, faster, stronger, you know, easier, simpler. Do you want to save this password? Pre-fill out this form, save this in your thing so you can b- buy crap even faster than you could before. Yeah. No, no, no. yeah. It's just ridiculous. So anyway, so that's affiliate marketing every, and, and now the FTC requires, uh, That you disclose that you're affiliate marketing or that people, that you may receive compensation if somebody clicks on a link that takes them to a particular product or service page. Mm. As if the people going there don't know that. Because most of the time people say, please click on my links and help support this site. Keep us free. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how, you know, that's how Unlock Your Wealth Radio was supported by ads. By advertising, you know, and so that makes sense. Why somebody wouldn't know that is beyond me. So let's get on to this week's topic, shall we? Because this is an important one and I want to maximize the value I can bring you in this period of time we have together. So this segment of Unlock Your Wealth Radio is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents Identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners by visiting our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com, forward slash keep my ID, and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. And so now De Niro the Prosperity Poochie is thinking that the commercial break is now the ending of the show. The end end of the show, yeah. (laughs) Just because my languaging is rehearsed and so he's getting all wound up. But it's not, and so we're just gonna ignore him. So there is puppy noise in the background. When we set our sights on home ownership and or real estate investment, there's a process that we go through that we, um, in order to acquire property. So if you have cash... That's great. But likely you'll be leveraging to buy that property. And there it's not a magic. Like you're like, oh, I hope they'll approve this. There's there's no hope involved in it. There's a specific criteria that says, yes, you're a good risk, or no, there isn't. And so we talk about some of that in create credit. And our create credit key of how that layer of risk and our four C's that, so it's character, capacity, capital, and collateral. And your character is determined by how you pay your bills in the past. So that'll be your credit rating. And then your capacity is both your income that you have. So your ability to repay the note, um, capital is the amount of money you put down on a down payment and how much you have left over. And collateral is the value of the property you're trying to buy. So in our four layers of risk, we have to substantiate that we have the capacity and wherewithal to maintain this obligation. And so a variety of factors go into this four layers of risk and determining your affordability, what you can afford to comfortably pay back, and how good you will be at it or how likely you will be at it if you haven't had a mortgage obligation, how you've managed your other credit and residence history in the past will make big decisions. So let's just cruise through this first layer of risk. So, um, and when we talk about affordability, um, what they need to know is how much you owe outside of any potential mortgage debt and then what you owe with mortgage debt and and your outstanding debt that's not housing related and find out what your total debt ratio is and they base that off of your gross income. Okay, Now, if you are applying for VA financing, they have a different way of qualifying you. And it's a residual income and it's based on family size and it requires certain tables. And I actually think as an underwriter and a lender that the VA actually has their proverbial poop in a group because they calculate your utility expenses. They estimate childcare. They they have all these other factors that go into it based on family size. They know what your residual income should be because they base your utilities based off of what the, the square footage of the home will be. And so they know what the cost of water and electric is and to who's, power. Who's this again? The VA? Yeah, Veterans Administration. And oh. they're not the ones that actually underwrite it. Banks underwrite it, but the VA guarantees the loan. I and see. so what that means is if somebody defaults they will pay the difference to liquidate it. People need to understand what a guarantee is too. So on FHA and VA, these are these federal loans are insured right. by the government or guaranteed, what they, as they say, but it's only guaranteed for a certain percentage of the loan amount. And that's to make sure that the property can be effectively liquidated. So they're partnering right. with a lender right. to make sure that the house will get that the house will be paid back and if not it'll make sure that the lender will will be made whole in the event of a default. That's also what mortgage insurance is for. If you put down 20% or more on a piece of property, you've got some significant skin in the game. And that's the critical mass point for a lender to say that this person at 20% has so much skin in the game relative to the price of the house that they will do anything to maintain this property and the payments for this property. Right. Anything less than that- there's less skin in the game that the borrower with the threat of bad credit or losing a home is not that concerned. I'll just go back and live with mommy. I'll move in with my friends. I'll get an apartment. Right. Whatever. No, no big deal. Right. Because, you know, they don't have they don't have a vested interest in making that transaction succeed. So that's why they have to buy mortgage insurance. Or they have to um, get an upfront mortgage insurance premium if they go with FHA financing, or there's 2% for the guarantee on a VA loan in order to be able to qualify. And because the VA does 100% financing, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, And that's their, yeah. Yeah. What? But 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 what's what's great about that the VA financing I said is they they calculate true affordability. They know what your residual income is right. based on your family size and income. They know how much money you should have left over. And it's there it's it's very accurate. Yeah,
0: interesting.
1: And if you don't have that residual income, you have to lower the affordability or the or the finance amount. In order to get to that number. mm mm-hmm. Mhm that's why you can't go on mortgage. that's that's why you can't go on income alone to qualify and that's what a lot of lenders do well how much you make you know because roughly the total debt ratio is is 30% roughly like you know some's are less some's are more some you know uh you've got 28% um a uh, front end ratio on the housing um With 36% total debt ratio, which means you can have 8% uh, unsecured debt, which would be car payments, um, credit cards, student loans, things like that and with like fha financing you can go up to 12% cuz it's the, the underwriting guidelines are 29 and 41 they allow for a larger back end mm-hmm. in the ratios and that's because the people that are usually applying for fha they're not putting as much money down and likely they don't have the, the experience or they have higher bills and so that's why their debt ratio is a little bit bigger. You can go to twelve percent mm-hmm. if you go with FHA. So you have a little bit more leeway um, in the ratios if you go with FHA financing. But FHA has upper loan limit amounts, so it's FHA is mostly for um, entry level home buyers. The qualifying is is important, and because you know one third, if you round it to thirty percent, one third of your income can be spent. On housing. So how do you calculate that? Well, you take your annual income times three. There's your mortgage amount, right? Because I mean, ideally it's about the payment to determine affordability.
0: So if you're making $60,000 a year. You
1: could probably afford a $180,000 house. Um, Depending on what interest rate you're going to get, it can be more than that. But if you're smart, you'll stay in that range. You won't buy all the house you can afford because here's what people forget. Everybody wonders what their max affordability is. And that's not at all what you should be looking at. You should be looking at lifestyle. And so when I talked about bonus, I guess we could throw it in up front here. When we talk about lifestyle, how much is your current rent on your place right now? Okay, so let's say do you pay five hundred bucks a month? Do you pay a thousand bucks a month? If your rent is a thousand bucks a month and you make three thousand a month, you're right at that thirty percent mark, at that one third. Okay, um, but if you make a, a housing payment, you know, rent a thousand bucks a month, but you make five grand a month or seven grand a month, you have to say, am I comfortable? with going higher on my monthly housing obligation? And that's the answer. What's my lifestyle like? Do I like to travel? Do I like to have weekend getaways? Do I like to take a big expensive vacation once a year for myself or my family? You know, is that more important? Do I lead an active lifestyle? Or maybe I'm a stuff kind of person. Maybe I like the latest technology or gadgets. You know, I have to have the coolest, newest TV out there. These lifestyle questions are important. If you don't go anywhere or do anything and anytime there's a Super Bowl party or some sort of fun event uh, is everybody piled in at your house and it's a potluck where you're not spending the money um, and your house is your castle and you don't go anywhere uh, and people come to you, then you know maybe maxing out your housing ratio or coming close to that might be okay. But if you are not investing... In your future, by having your retirement plan set up, and if you're not systematically saving and investing for retirement, and you don't have an emergency fund set up, it makes no sense to max out. Because in the event of a catastrophe, you know if you haven't planned for financial catastrophe and don't have appropriate insurances in place or don't have an appropriate emergency fund, Or quality of life savings, you know, maxing out on your house is a death sentence because the minute something catastrophic happens, you're gonna screw up with your mortgage. It's not an if, it's a when. And I've watched it happen too many times. And especially if you start living on your credit cards. And people always pay their credit cards. And they default on their mortgage, which makes no sense because the credit card defaults are no big deal. They're not gonna come after you. Like the people well, like you don't lose your house. Like if you're gonna make a choice, you need to A seek the advice of a attorney, but at all costs keep the mortgage because mortgage credit ratings are more heavily weighted. You know, credit scores are subjective. If you're buying a car, that credit score is geared toward how you pay six month or six year loans. And they they move all of the other credit down in the model of scoring. When you apply for a credit card, they look at how you pay credit card debt versus mortgage debt. When you apply for a mortgage, they look at how well you've managed long-term debt. That's what they care about. Is that the first payment you default on in the event of an emergency, or is it the last? At all costs, you always pay housing. And that's where people make mistakes. First off, we have to look at our lifestyle when we go to qualify for this and determine our affordability ratio, because it's not about affordability. Now it's about lifestyle choice. So it's more than affordability. Because, so what you have to look at is, before you even calculate affordability, is you have to ask yourself this question, I spend X now on housing. This is okay, this is too much, or I can go a little bit more, okay? Because that's the question you have to determine first, because if not, you're going to get in trouble and underwater super quick. So after you ask and answer that question, now we have to talk about how do we satisfy these layers of risk? How do we prove to this lender that we truly can afford this property that we're qualifying for? And so there's a litany of documents that you're gonna need and I wanna go through these documents with you so you know. So when it comes time for underwriting and submitting all your documentation, you're already prepared when you meet with that lender and you give them everything and that way that's not, documentation is not hanging up your underwriting process because your loan will get kicked back. If everything is not in the file, you don't get partial underwrites. It gets kicked back. They don't even look at it if it's not fully documented. They'll keep throwing it back and it'll keep going back into your lap. And if you procrastinate on all these things, you're going to blow closings and that could cost you money or your earnest money. If you blow a closing and the the, uh, seller has a backup offer and they're ready to close and you don't close, uh, they don't have to renegotiate with you to extend your close of escrow. Guess what? They can close on the next house on the next day and they can walk away with your earnest money. And it's not because you didn't qualify, it's because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. So you had a material breach, which is different than getting declined on a loan. So as we talk about the four layers of risk, our capacity, our ability to repay the note is important. And so they're looking for an income stream of two years. So you'll need W-2s for a minimum of two years, and tax returns for the last two years. And if you you know if it's like now and you haven't quite filed, they might let you off. But the closer you get to April 15th, they're gonna require 2016. But right now, they could probably do it with 2014 and 2015. Uh, so you'll need W-2s for two years. From every job that you, uh, had that you're using to calculate income. And remember, you need to be on the job for at least two years or have at least two years in the same industry. One month, uh, worth of the most recent paycheck, pay stubs showing year to date earnings, because they're going to make sure that you didn't make bogus ones. So they're going to calculate what you claim you make based on the documentation. Cause they're going to look for fraudulent documents and they're going to make sure that it all measures up. Uh, If you do not have year-to-date earnings on your pay stub, they want a signed payroll ledger from an employer showing year-to-date income. Two years of tax returns if you receive bonuses or commissioned income. So if there's fluctuation, they're going to average the years together to come up with a median income, and they're going to qualify you on that. And that may be lower or higher depending on how it's reported. If you have any two-week gap in employment in the last 24 months, there needs to be a letter explaining what the gap is. Uh, If you use child support, alimony, or separate maintenance income to qualify, which you are not required to do, however, if you do, if you can afford it without it, great. If you want a nice compensating factor, disclosing that in your underwriting is helpful because it reduces your ratios. And so it shows that you're a a more likely candidate to pay back a loan. It shows that you're buying beneath your means. Hmm. So that's a good thing. Um, If you um, cannot document separate deposits through bank statements um, showing... Showing, you know, like if it's a thousand bucks a month, uh, if you can't show it, like if you commingle the check with other checks, which I say, I, I advise you not to do deposit it separately, do a separate deposit so you can track it with your own bank statements because you will have to go back. If you can't track that 1000 bucks a month coming in and prove that you've received it over the past 12 months, because the divorce decree or court order means nothing if the income stream hasn't been enforced, if it hasn't been paid. And just because you have something that says somebody else is supposed to pay you actually receiving it's two different things. And let me just tell you, if it was not an amicable divorce... And you have to go in as the lender. And I had to go in, like, because th- these people weren't on speaking terms. So I had to go in and deal with the secretary that caused the divorce and get 12 months worth of bank statements. I had to sit in the wow. office while they went through the husband, the ex husband's bank statements and had them Xerox each check. Dear God. Yes. So if you don't want to have to. Look under that rock. You need to be able to start documenting now. And this is great if you're not planning on buying a home, but will be in the future. This is something good that you want to look at. Uh, two months of bank statements for all checking and savings account. You need to document any large income increases. You need to have a three-month history for retirement accounts. Those are usually done quarterly. Um, If you're selling a house, you need all the documentation of your current sale and your estimated proceeds. Uh, Again, if you are not on the receiving end, but the giving end, of child support, alimony, separate maintenance. It's like a dink on your credit report and it's going to go against your affordability ratios and you're going to have to turn that in uh, because they're going to ask how many children you have. All of these things go into this loan application. Any types of dinks on your credit, you're going to need a credit explanation letter and evidentiary support. Settlement statements on any real estate sold in the last three years if you're doing FHA loans. And of course, picture ID, social security number, um, verification, uh, certificates of eligibility like a DD-214 for VA loans, um, and any prepaid fees for credit reports and appraisals are all going to have to be turned in. Again, for more specific details, please visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com and just drop in the search engine uh, on the Uh mortgage document checklist, and you'll be able to pull up this document and so many more resources. Thank you so much for stopping by. And for the maestro of Moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today.
0: UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches financial wellness series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.